Welcome to This is for the CV, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit. This is a podcast by Anthony and Rebecca, two professors in communication and political science, chatting about politics, pop culture, and the things in between. This week we talk about hysterectomies and detention camps, the capitalism of COVID, and how we are in need of a serious leadership hug. Hi, everybody. Thanks for listening. I wanted to, uh, before the show got started, I wanted to talk about a couple things from last episode and also something that we failed to talk about in the upcoming episode. So last episode, I referred to Jacob Blake, the young man that was shot in the back, to James Blake. Uh, That was a mistake on my part. James Blake is a black tennis player who was also falsely targeted by the police in New York City and got tackled on a street corner one time. And so I mixed up the names James and Jacob Blake. The other thing I wanted to mention, we did not talk about the president's comments about the military in this episode that you're about to hear. That is not because we didn't know about them or hear about them or think about them. It's just that there's so much going on. We was just talking and it, it didn't come up. But let me say, as the son of two Marines, um, those comments smashed me, called my mom immediately, cried with her, right? Because you ask any veteran, ask any of them, doesn't matter the branch, doesn't matter how long they serve, doesn't matter. They will all tell you that the heroes are the ones who never came home. And so that's my thought on those comments from our Commander-in-Chief. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, Anthony. Hello, Rebecca. How are you today? I'm all right. I'm all right. How are you? Oh, I've only been through two spirals this morning and I had ice cream for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing at your spirals. I'm laughing at that (laughs) ice cream for breakfast. That's what's up. It just, I was like, you know, it would be nice with this coffee, some butter pecan ice cream. (laughs) I haven't had butter pecan in a whole minute. That's my mom's favorite flavor of ice cream. It's a good one. Mm -hmm. It's a good one. Yep. I felt good about it. I won't feel great about it later, but I'm still currently feeling okay about it. Whatever. Don't be shamed about those food. I mean, shoot, eat what you want to eat. Hell. Oh, I just mean my stomach will hurt. I don't really care about the calories. <laughs> we're we're way past worrying about weight gain from COVID quarantine times. Like, just we're getting through. The body gets bigger. She gets bigger. I appreciate that she's with me. <laughs> <laughs> All of her. <laughs> uh, how about you? <laughs> How's your day? <laughs> Um, you know, people are at work, kids are at home, virtual. You're solo parenting right now? Yeah, right now we're getting it in. You know, we bribe the kids with goldfish crackers and Toy Story movies. Excellent. You know, during the the important times, like recordings, like I need y'all mesmerized. So, Oh, no, actually, mm-hmm. I think they're watching Cars, not Toy Story. Ah, ooh, but yeah, that was Disney my Plus be putting it, yeah, Disney Plus is gold right now. I watched Mulan. The live action? Mm-hmm. You paid that 30? I have Plex. I have someone who someone who oh, paid that 30. Oh, somebody paid that 30 and, and, and uh-huh, posted, uh-huh. It, posted it up to Video Napster. All right, word. Mm, basically. Okay. <laughs> I should probably put this on a recording. 
hello, I'm illegally watching films. <laughs> nah, it's a sharing site. It's not illegal. It you is. Someone that. paid they, that They 30. paid that money and put it up. Like, it's mm -hmm. part of their library. That's not illegal. Yeah. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah. If, I mean, if it was illegal, Plex is well known. If it was illegal, they yeah. would have shut that down a long time ago. Oh, yeah. Do you remember the days of, like, Mega Video and just all of those sites where you could watch films, but then it would time out after a certain amount of time? I can't remember which one, I, but yeah, I've, 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 yes. We all, we all streamed from those things and it would buffer for like 45 minutes before you could play it. <laughs> You're like, all right, I got it streamed and set up. I'm gonna go cook dinner and come back. Yeah. We're lucky now. Yeah, this is all, the, 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 the internet speeds are just, if you have, mm -hmm. if you have the means, they're, they're baffling. Like you can get a lot done. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to talk about today, Anthony? I mean, I'm letting you drive the whole Drive the combo. whole bus? I'm just reacting. Convo. And if there's something <laughs> okay. I don't know, I would be like, I don't know nothing about that. Please continue. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> all right. So it's challenging, you know, now that we're doing every other week, but something happened yesterday or it didn't happen yesterday but it was revealed yesterday and so i think we should start there with women in georgia who are in a detention center just shocking numbers of them receiving hysterectomies without them being explained as to why they need it some of them said that they were given like six different explanations and a nurse was the whistleblower along with some other formerly detained women in the center and it is just horrifying so have you heard about this i have not um you said that they without their knowledge well so they they are sent to this one doctor they i was doing a dive into it so spoiler alert surprise surprise who runs this facility other than LaSalle corporation it was like the demon of corporations i mean like truly they're evil they can sue me for that it, it would not possibly be liable there they are the devil so they send women who ha have any kind of issues to this one gynecologist and he gives them a hysterectomy or two ties their tubes what that's the treatment that's the treatment and so some quotes from this nurse read as follows so a nurse was a whistleblower and she's on record her name is don wooten don wooten good for you um so don wooten said that's his specialty he's the uterus collector no that's what everybody he sees he's taking all their uteruses out or he's taking their tubes out what in the world so a nurse started to get really concerned because all these women are having hysterectomies and she's like, there's no possible way that this many women need this treatment. I mean, that's, that's severe and that's, you know, only for women who have a lot of issues and they're young women too, in many instances. So then also in this article, Vice broke this story and since there's been more digging on it, women who are also named in the lawsuit who were detained immigrant women in the detention facility have said that they like one woman who was there for two months between October and December of 2019 randomly met five women who had hysterectomies. Whoa. 
And she's like, oh, is this happening to all of us? And so some of them couldn't explain why they were getting it done. Like if they're, they're like, why is this happening? Is, is this necessary? And then one woman said like, oh, I was given like four, four or five different explanations and, and none of them really made sense to me. So that's what's happening here. Um, LaSalle has a history of being the worst. They were here in Waco. We kicked them out after many years of trying to get them out. But they used to run one of our jails here. It was privately run by this company. And it took internal forces in the county getting on board with outside activists to finally end that contract. But they did because people were dying in the jail with frequency because of medical neglect. But this just ties to what I see as our gross human rights violations on immigrants in this country over the last four years. Just one more thing. Do you have, do you have any editorial thoughts on, on why that's what they're doing to people? Of course. <laughs> so my strong opinion is that he's racist and he just thinks, oh, these immigrant women shouldn't be able to procreate. On American soil or something. Right. And their right. children are citizens and we can't. Exactly. Have mm-hmm. That's that's my that's my opinion. Right. Like we don't know that for oh, sure. Wow. But that's my opinion, because otherwise, why do you systematically do hysterectomies? Those are those are intense procedures. They're not like easy things to do. You have to put women under anesthesiologists, like it's time consuming. So why would a doctor want to do that? Unless that's like what he gets paid the most for. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense in terms of what could be the other possible motives. And so I suspect that that's the reason. Because otherwise, why are you also just tying tubes? That's a much you know simpler procedure as well, but can be reversed. But you know, unless women have access to future medical care and their complications, it can't always be reversed. So I suspect that that's the doctor's motives. I also suspect he's not named. I tried to find it because I could look it up, that he has lost admit, uh, privileges at other hospitals because that's what LaSalle tends to do. That's their MO. They hire doctors to come in to their facilities and they contract with doctors outside who often have lost their privileges to be admitted into many hospitals nearby because of shenanigans like this, like horrific things. And they're like, oh, well, come into our, our prison facility, or our detention facility. Yeah, you're not good for the general population, but you can come in and work on our people. Um, so I will expect once and if this doctor is outed that we'll be able to see a long history of problems. So do you think that this policy is from the doctor or do you think that this this institution LaSalle is that who they are LaSalle LaSalle are they coming in and saying this is what we want done to these detainees and we need a doctor that doesn't have enough cred and just wants a job to do this you know I don't honestly know but I suspect it's the doctor and I suspect the dehumanization of immigrants that we've all accepted and been complicit in because otherwise we don't let things like this happen for four years are to blame so LaSalle just want to make just wants to make that dollar so they advocate along with Geo Group and Corrections Corporation of America which is now called like core civic or something very benign that sounds like they're helping people they put in 
millions and millions of dollars to advocate for these types of policies that fill their detention centers and give them contracts for new buildings to house immigrants. They want these camps because they make lots of money. I think after that, they don't really care what happens to people as long as it doesn't hurt their bottom line. So that's why you have, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. We've got terrible abuse claims, neglect, COVID running rampant, rep internal whistleblower reports that no one's following protocol, that there are thousands more people with COVID that, than are being reported, that all of these work environments are incredibly hostile, that people working within the facilities are a danger, people within the facilities are in danger. I mean, over and over and over again. I mean, I think we all remember, maybe we don't, back in, I want to say it was 2017 when we started to see the policy of implementing family separation mm -hmm. and you had the audio of those children like toddlers sobbing mm -hmm. for their parents oh, yeah. and we were shook for like five minutes and then they called it something different like oh we're not doing that anymore except that they are right like you tell your the adult you have to sign this paper or you're going to be deported they do and they're like oh okay look this is an unaccompanied minor now it's an unaccompanied minor and we'll put them in a detention center separate from the family. So we changed the semantics around it, but we still have a very active family separation policy. We still have children in facilities, crazy amounts of abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse, horrific neglect, kids raising kids in these facilities. And we're like, well, you know, the election's in 50 days, guys, just vote. And that's just not enough. We have just widely accepted this mass human rights violation and i would suggest terror upon a group of targeted people in our country and like throwing our hands up like well we can't do anything about it so that's why i applaud wooten this nurse because she had the tiny little bit of power her power was she had knowledge of something and she came out on the record and said this is what's happening she went to these groups she found help to file a lawsuit and she was willing to be openly named on that lawsuit and you wouldn't think a nurse has that much power, but now we know about it. So kudos to her and screw you Congress for being too weak to do anything. I don't have feelings about this, Anthony. <laughs> I am disgusted and grieved and outraged in all of the things. Cause like, what is this? Like Nazi Germany where we're experimenting on women? What you describe is horrifying. And we wouldn't stand for it for anybody. You know, we just wouldn't. But, it, oh, this population, mm -hmm. somebody feels not only justified in doing it, but gung-ho about it. Like, you don't get a nickname like that unless that is pervasive. And, and I suspect, you know, other people knew what was going on, but she's the one who said, I'm going to do something about this. Those environments make you feel like you don't have any power and you can't say anything. And for good reasons. So, I mean, you get fired, things like that, but what's the, what's the alternative? But I mean, you, you know, you teach rhetoric and I know that we've talked about this early on, even during the campaigning season of 2016, we saw a shift in language being used, infestation. We're going to be overrun. You start to attach dehumanizing language to people. And if we accept it, then if I accept that that human being is not a human being, 
then our government can do anything to them and we accept it. Or we at least look the other way or throw our hands up like, well, nothing we can do. They probably shouldn't have asked for asylum. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyways, something that's been on my mind and I've been deeply concerned about in the midst of quarantine because all of our oversight mechanisms have been blocked from the detention centers because of COVID. And so I know that there's a lot that we don't know. But even when we do know, it's like, well, that's terrible. All right, next. And some of that is just compassion fatigue because the entire West Coast is on fire and that it's terrible. There's a pandemic that have killed. I mean, we're, we are getting close to 200,000 people. We should be horrified. And so there's so many things going on. There are like, what, six potential hurricanes brewing in the Gulf right, or in the Atlantic right now. Yeah. So there's, and we should care about all of them. It's not like we have to pick and choose. We are able to focus on more than one thing at a time. But at some point, emotionally, we can only handle really feeling outrage for so many things in a moment. And I think that our outrage around immigration policies by this administration have kind of fallen to the wayside as the majority of Americans have become more directly affected by something else. So I guess my my point or my plea would be, you know, we all have to protect our mental health and there's no shame or guilt around turning things off and looking away for a little while so you can keep going longer. Because, um, yeah, we risk that, especially when there are so many terrible things going on and when we are quarantining and stuck in our homes and that has an impact on all of us. But our sort of silence and acceptance has really allowed this to pervade and of course the people with in positions of power like congress people within the administration not pushing back states allowing these companies to set up within them the cities allowing for it the counties allowing for it you you have layers of check marks that have been instituted by different levels of government those are the people that are most to blame and I, you know, I applaud our local government. Um, one of these very problematic air quotes nonprofits was trying to set up what they called like a learning facility. It was a child detention center. Like, let's not get it twisted. And they voted it down. They're like, oh no, you have a history of abusing children. Mm, nope, not hard pass. So that's the type of leadership we need. We need local state and federal people growing a spine, not caring whether it's Republican or Democratic president or issues and pushing back on these things but we don't have that and I worry that we're so focused on the election and there's so much noise from everywhere else from all the other things we're going through that these kinds of human rights violations are just going to be ramped up because not enough of us can pay attention hmm. one more thought and then we can switch and I won't keep ranting at you about immigrant human rights violations um Yesterday, a federal court, a federal appeals court in California, I believe it's the Ninth Circuit, ruled that Trump can end the temporary protected status for immigrant families. We have a TPS program that extended protection to about 300,000 people, people from Haiti, I believe Nicaragua and El Salvador. And he was like, oh, let's get rid of that. You've been protected for years and told that you were allowed to stay here. Mm, I'm going to yank that out from underneath you. 
so it affects 300,000 people, 100,000 of which are essential workers. So they're the people who have been like feeding us, giving us the things we need so we can stay in ho at home. And now they're going to be given deportation orders. Uh, yep, pretty soon. So that's just one more thing. So it's not like it's one isolated incident. It's not like, oh, these women were given hysterectomies probably without full ability to consent based on their lack of knowledge and how they were informed. Oh, these people who have been, you know, giving us essential services are now going to be deported just because, no good reason, just because we've decided we hate immigrants now and we're not a nation built on them. But it's like the 50 things, and often orchestrated by Stephen Miller, but it's hard to look at it all at one time because, you know, it's one more little thing, one more little thing. And so I was trying to make a list of everything earlier and I lost count. Well, <clears throat> the, the point you make about once we dehumanize through our rhetoric, what somebody or what a group of people are, we could do whatever we want. So you're saying these are human rights abuses. Well, somebody has to be considered human for there to be some type of rights abuse. And if they're not, or if they're a population that doesn't come in contact with other folks on the day, it's just not, it's, it's easier to just slide and slip off the radar. You know, you talk about somebody like Stephen Miller, Stephen Miller is not viewing these populations as immigrants. He's viewing these populations as future residents of the United States of America with full citizenship. And he considers that an existential threat to who he feels built America. And the people of that ilk are scared to death that, you know, between the ages of 15 and 18, there's more minority children than white children. Like, they, they, they don't know what to do with that, as if all minorities mm -hmm. vote together, which is ridiculous. They, they do not, right? Like, but... They all get together and, you know, yeah, learn how to know, think alike. When, when, when the stats come out and say, yo, you know, the United States of America is going to be a minority-majority nation by 2050, it's not talking about one minority group. It's saying if you add up every Mexican, every Asian, every black person, if you add all that up together, you might get the 51 versus the monolith of, exactly. you know, because it's like you group together Irish, white. I don't want to hear none of that. There's white folks and then there's everybody else, right? Like, I don't care if you came from <laughs> Germany, right? It doesn't yeah. matter. You could, you, so. That's not how you're politically exactly constructed in this country so you'll be, exactly. you'll be okay so, if you're called white <laughs> you know to the idea that well we can't have that anything to slow that down because these minorities are going to mm -hmm. get together and treat us like we treated them and we can't have that and it's just like man first of all we don't all think alike we do not <laughs> like there's a massive section of the cubans in florida that love donald trump love him Go keep loving him because they heard the word socialist. They think of the Castro brother. They're like, man, heck no. Forget that. I know what that is. I fled that. But, you know, it's it's a blind spot for the for the Republican Party. It really is because they, they could very easily mm -hmm. change their platform and appeal to more people. But they don't want to do that. They don't want to compete for votes. They want to just yep. <laughs> make people not have to not even have the agency to vote. Mm hmm. 
And so, yeah, if I can yank a uterus out, that's one less voter, a whole family of voters. If I can send some people home, that's some people that might not have kids. That's some people that might not get enfranchised. Like any, anybody I can remove, that's a, that's a win for folks that think that minorities in the country who need government assistance will rely on said government and thus rely on Democrats because they give them stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just like so many, many problematic assumptions being made. Uh, my former professor, my undergraduate professor, Dr. Richard Pineda, who I told you about, he'll be speaking in my class later this semester. He wrote an opinion piece in the Dallas Morning News a couple of days ago, and it's titled, There is No Such Thing as a Latino Vote. And he's making a similar point, and he's saying political parties would be wise to pay attention to the unique needs mm-hmm. of each Latino community, right? There's not mm-hmm. a Latino vote. It doesn't exist. That's, that's nonsense. And that's a shortcoming of, honestly, both political parties. But we see the, we see the response to that problematic assumption <laughs> organized very differently yeah. from one party to the next. Yeah. <laughs> very differently. Because I think Democrats are making a similar assumption, too. And, you know, so they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Great. Yeah, I think that they're. I think that there's Democrats that are wholeheartedly confused that a, a, a group, a subset of a population that is actively hated by, you know, conservatives, that they could rock with them. And it's like, well, what about that conservative message are they rocking with? It's not the. It's not the throw you out of the country part. It's the build a business part. It's the we got food on the shelves part. It's, it, you know, it's, 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 it's the I can own my own property part. It's the I don't have a car from the 1960s part. That's the part. And that's the part that they're scared to death of going away. Because they know how fragile that is. Mm-hmm. They know how, you know, we should all consider how fragile this is. It's not like... It's all, if Trump's taught us anything, it's that these institutions are like norms. They're socially constructed norms. And if people start disobeying the norms and those norms aren't enforced, then the institutions fold. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I so often am naive about all of this because I'm like, oh no, but the constitution says this. (laughs) That's not constitutional. Guys, it'll be fine. It's written down in a piece of paper. It's fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Like, do you remember that scene, spoiler alert, from Game of Thrones where Ned Stark is like, I have this from King Robert, and he says such and such. And seriously, took that thing and tore it up and threw it in the fire. Like, who cares? He dead. My son is the king. That you you got you giving me notes from dead people talking about this is what we're gonna do? Shut up. And that is the situation. If you can make up whatever you want in your head and say, I know what's best because I got these votes or I have this power. I know what's better. And we already are on. We're not in a true democracy. We're in a republic. We're already telling people, hey, you don't deserve to really have agency. You deserve to elect people who are worthy enough to have agency. And so that by itself, those people in. I mean, you know, these people is in. You've been to the Capitol. You've been to the to the to the Rayburn building. Like these are nice places. They used to being out there in the mix. It takes all types of money <laughs> to run for these offices. And that's why mm-hmm. prison unions have so much sway. 
Because, yeah, my rights might get violated, but I ain't got enough bread to have enough say with the people that matter. Because what matters? Running for election? Well, that costs money. Who has the money? Corporations? Who are we protecting? The people? What matters more than a life? A business that can employ people and make money? Right? Like, it's just like, oh, okay. And boy, have we seen that play out time and time again this year. Indeed. And all sorts of facets. So I hear you. That reminds me of Trump's claim that he'll probably just run for a third term anyways because he deserves it. Now, you know, some would say that he's just <laughs> owning the libs in, in, in moments like that. But I'm reminded of what Rent free I mean, I'm reminded of what Michael Cohen said, you know, his longtime personal attorney. He's like, President doesn't joke. He don't he don't joke like that. If he's saying it, there's a reason. And he, he he throwing that out there like, yeah, one day we might have to have that conversation, you know? Mm-hmm. And this is what, maybe the second or third time he's said it. So the first time, he just wants to see how it, how it landed. Now he's like, oh, I'll say it some more. So, and I'm like, hi, the 22nd Amendment. <laughs> There's where I'm naive. I'm like, no, nah, that can't happen. 22nd Amendment. Now, I still genuinely believe that People would be like, no. Then finally, you'd see Republicans in Congress growing a backbone and saying, nope. And you'd see military standing up against him and say, oh, no, you're no longer the rightfully elected president, so we don't answer to you. But I've been wrong before, and I've expected that backbone to solidify before, and it hasn't, at least by a lot. I think the Republican Party wants him gone. I think they want him gone. And as soon as there's a little crack, they're all going to bail. And I think I think Fox, Fox News is at the top of that list. I read an article yesterday. It's like, and, and this is true. You know, the best thing for Rachel Maddow right now is a Donald Trump presidency. What's what's better than attacking a president from the uh, from the opposite party? You know, that's a right. much easier job than Tucker Carlson's or Sean Hannity's like trying to defend that madness every day. It'd be much easier and better for them, Ben Shapiro, it'd be much easier and better for them to attack Joe Biden and attack mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders and attack AOC. Like that's 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 more ratings, that's easier. That's why they attack AOC so much, even though she's, you know. Yeah, you're a junior congressman. Like one of four hundred and thirty five. I know I say this all no, the time. No, she is that's but... what she is. You, know, you mm-hmm. got some profile, you got some status, but you got a long grind to go. Right. She can't get any of her policies passed alone, and she needs a huge consensus. So the fact that, you know, she's some scary threat to the right is laughable. But it speaks to your point that they don't have someone to attack that has a true position of autonomous power. So they're like, oh, hey, you see, she's threatening. She's a pretty young woman. And the thing is, the thing about her that I respect the most is when it's business time and we're on the floor in these committee meetings, and hearings, mm-hmm. her questions are the most concise. They're the most, co- she's not grandstanding. She's in there like, I got this stuff to say. We're on this topic. I'm focused on minutes. this thing Let's for this. five minutes mm-hmm. and I'm going to nail you down to these words. And she does it every time and she's super effective and she's probably the one of the best questioners in the house. It's shocking to me that she's not an attorney. You know, she has 
because every, every time she's great at every it time. every time. And it speaks to her. It speaks to her team. It speaks to everyone. But it also speaks to the fact that you're right. She isn't using this as an opportunity to get a soundbite. Mm-mm. So many people give a little speech ahead of time, right. maybe ask a question right. or like want to support the person's like, Anthony, wouldn't you agree that right. blah, 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 right, blah, right. blah, 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 right. because they want to end up on CNN that night mm-hmm. or wh- wherever it is, Fox News, MSNBC, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she's in there for business. Yeah, 100 percent. I remember when Maria Yovanovitch was testifying, them, them losers, they, they was just over there grands and she couldn't even, she was like, she was trying to answer stuff. And they're like, I didn't ask you a question. I didn't ask you a question. Please don't answer anything because you're super smart and competent and know what's up. And I don't want you talking right now. So I'm just going to talk like, and I'm just like, I'm worried about you going on the record. (laughs) Shut up. Like I see this for what it is. You see this for what it is. Mm Mm-hmm. I was looking at some public opinion polls, though, and Biden is losing ground in one area, and that is Trump's hammering home on law and order, a.k.a. the dog whistle of the Reagan administration. Um, What's notably absent from the 80s is a rhyme in crime. There's a rise in crime. I can't talk. A rhyme in crime. (laughs) There isn't one. Like, there just isn't one at all, but we're being tried to like whipped up into this frenzy and just the fact that we're using thugs and suburbs over and over again. I was telling you before we started recording, I get texts from both campaigns because, you know, I like pain. And so they are thugs are going to destroy your suburbs. They're going to come attack you. Biden supports these thugs. And we all know that thug is a very coded word. And suburbs is a very coded word. And we start to assign racial groups to those types of words based on how they've been used in the past. But I don't even know if it is a dog whistle at this point. It's just straight up racist. Well, you know, Nixon came out with law and order and it won. Effective. Reagan won. Effective. Mm -hmm. Right? Like those, those ideas are effective. And when you have video of you know a dude in la and compton running up on police officers who are parked in their car and letting off shots and running away it don't help the cause it does you know and then you got protesters outside the hospital talking about we hope they die like that man i don't care if that is an isolated incident in compton california people see that are like oh my gosh what See, I knew that they want people dead i knew that it was hunting season on the we got it we can't have that and we can get into the nuanced reasons why somebody might be motivated to go. But you going to, in cold blood, start shooting in police cars? Like, what? Okay. Like, what are you doing? No, it undermines what 95% of the people out there are doing. And, and yeah, it feeds into that narrative very effectively. And I don't think there's anything that you can really, I certainly wouldn't try to justify doing and saying those things. We're in a time in America where everybody's on edge. Mm-hmm. And when everybody is on edge, what needs to happen is respected voices need to come out on all sides and calm people the hell down. And when that doesn't happen, when instead the president is the worst person in the world, so says one group, and he's a danger. And the president is like, these people in your streets are the worst people in the world. 
and they come in to take over your slice of America. Well, everybody has a reason to be hyped. Everybody has a reason to go grab whatever gun they got, of which we have plenty in this country, and go mm-hmm. to battle, so to speak. And it's going to take somebody to get a country a hug to tell people, yo, you can put your gun down and grab a beer. Like, it's not it's not as bad as we're putting it out to be. Mm-hmm. You know, on, on one side, it's like, we're telling you it's this bad so we can get this dude up out of office because we got better ideas. On the other side, it's like, I'm trying to keep my spot in this office because I'm not trying to go to jail. If people were more honest with it, with, with us, we could make a more informed decision. But this is all about fear as a motivator to get folks to the polls. But that don't help them two officers in Compton. No. It don't help no. them. Who is just, by all accounts, trying to guard a train station, doing their job. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, man, come on, man. Come on. Yeah, and that's that's something that I, f- I feel like the way there's lots of blame to share, so I won't really point fingers, but we've been sort of socialized that you either have to care about wrongful killing of black people by police or you have to care about the wrongful killing of police officers exactly just doing right. their job. That's exactly right. And, and I, that's just total BS. Like we can care about both things at the exact same time. We can say police brutality has got to end and we have to do serious reforms. No more of this, oh, three more hours of Zoom training. <laughs> Crap, that doesn't work, right? Like we can actual, actually enforce accountability measures. And we can also say that is a horrific thing we have to do stuff to protect those officers so that doesn't happen again too. Like we can care at the same time. And in fact, the communities that these things happen in tend to be the same. And most of the people within them just wanna live in a safe place, a safe and equitable neighborhood. And it's people outside of those communities that are like, no, that doesn't fit up our political narrative. Mm-hmm. So no. Mm. What else you got? <laughs> What else do I got? Your buckets of cheer today. <laughs> For real. Um, 2020. You know, I mean, we, we've been in, we've been talking for, what, 30 minutes or so and haven't even talked about the president on tape. Oh, my gosh. You're right. Giving up the whole game. Saying, saying the quiet part out loud. I mean, Rebecca. Oof. On the 7th of February, he knew more about the virus Everything he said about the virus on the 7th of February has come to pass. Mm-hmm. It is five times more deadly than the flu, more so. He said, we, mm-hmm. we lose 30,000, 40,000 people to the flu every year. Well, we done lost 195,000 in six months. So, yeah, you're right. It is more deadly. Oh, it is airborne. Oh, it does affect the young and the old. Every single thing about this virus he knew on the 7th of February and was telling it like a cocktail party story to a journalist on tape. And then the very next week, he's telling us, the American people behind the podium of the United States of American president, that it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. It's going to vanish. It's the flu. Mm -hmm. It's less than the flu. On that hope strategy. And for what? And then is going to self-congratulate himself and say Mm. that they did a good job. 4% 4% of the world population, 20% of the deaths. And when that question got posed to the chair of the RNC, they started talking about testing. Testing ain't got nothing to do with these dead people. 
Don't talk to me about testing. I didn't ask you about testing. I said we got 4% of the world's population and 20% of the deaths in the most evolved country in the world. What are we doing? And in that moment, Rebecca, I felt wholly justified. I'm like, see, I told y'all. I told everybody in my life that this was the game. Mm -hmm. And he knew. He knew. He knew. And he will sacrifice the vulnerable and the gullible at the altar of business. You said February 7th was the date? That was one of those first recordings, February 7th. So February 10th, he says, I think the virus is going to be, it's going to be fine. Same day, looks like by April, you know, in theory, when it gets a little warmer, it miraculously goes away. February 24th, the coronavirus is very much under control in the USA. Stock Stock market starting to look very good to me. 25th. CDC and my administration are doing a great job of handling it. I think that's a problem that's going to go away. They've studied it. They know very much. Then we get into, this is a flu. This is like a flu. After he said he knew it wasn't, it's going to disappear. Like these are all things that he said in February. And then we get into, you know, March and April and May when it's, it's really killing people. And he's still saying the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> including I don't take any responsibility at all. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they had the exact right policy to conduct this, this $600 extra on top of your unemployment is what's going to keep you cool and at home. And we're not willing to keep giving y'all that. And we're not right. willing to keep giving y'all that. Cause y'all might save that. Y'all might use that towards your goals and dreams. You might you we don't want y'all having any excess. We want y'all on the wheel. We don't want you to make money during the pandemic. Hell no. We want you outside. Even if it kills you. We'd rather give this money to businesses that make you come outside than to give it to you to stay home even though we know this might kill you. And that's all you need to know about our society. That's all you need to know about our priorities as human beings. You know, like capitalism is a killer, man. Like I can't remember what it was, either Canada or New Zealand. I can't remember which, but one of them countries was like, yo, all right, we got to lock down for six weeks. Here's five grand. We got to lock down for six weeks. Here's five grand. Okay, cool. I'm good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You gave me five grand. No questions asked. Mm-hmm. I got a lockdown. Some people had their jobs, kept working. Some people couldn't, but you all had five grand. Right. And we were like, here's 1600 tops. If you meet this criteria. If you meet this criteria for six months, what's that? $6 a day. And I've seen some memes that were like, for $6 a day, you too can sponsor an American. Oh, and we never really shut down. And we never really we never shut down. never really shut it down. And you're absolutely right that we could have, you know, implemented financial incentives to safeguard people. But in a capitalistic society, those that are deserving are not the workers, are not the laborers. Those that are deserving are those that exploit that labor for their benefit. And we saw that play out because who actually has made money on this thing? Well, the people who actually got the bulk of the government's money were businesses and big businesses. Mm-hmm. And everybody else has just grown their shares. All of our billionaires have made incredible wealth during this time. 
yeah, I ain't gonna lie, I've done very well during the pandemic. I'm not ashamed of it, but I, it's like, yo, you shouldn't have had to go to school for 10 years to be able to stay inside. Right. Yep. If you want to, I got people that I love that wish they could trade play, you know, that wish they could just stay home and not have to worry about getting evicted. Right. And they don't have that choice. You know, people telling me like, yo, aunt, like, I know I'm supposed to be inside, but I'm glad my job is open because if not, how am I going to pay for this stuff? Right. I, I, all, the best I can do is make people that come in my store wear a mask. Mm-hmm. That's the best I can do. Yeah, and these are po- these are policy choices. Like we chose to put these folks at risk. Because yeah, I don't fault people for working who have to work. No, of course not. No, I fault the I fault the people blaming. that don't have to work that want to go outside. Like that that's the first population that needs to sit down. That are just over it. Right. I'm like, right. yeah, we're all over it. Right, yeah. It's like, dude, I'd love no to go like, outside. No one's like having a good time. I'd love to. Weather's changing. Air is crisper, right? Like, I love to take my kids to the golf. Like, I love to be outside. Who doesn't love to be outside? Right. I haven't seen you since March. March. (laughs) That's ridiculous. I know. I haven't seen anybody since. Well, I saw Lewis once when I went to the office to, because he had to change offices. And he, like, you know, was standing down the hall with a mask on. I had a mask on. And we're like, what's up? Right. That's the only coworker I've seen. Yeah, but you're right. A lot of a lot of us have just moved on and pretend like it's not a thing anymore because those around us have decided that, and so it puts pressure on those who are taking it seriously, rightfully so, to have to explain why and to justify caring about not killing people, which is just really mind blowing to me. If round numbers are you th- are your thing, it's a, it's a, it's a thousand people a day, a thousand people a day. If round numbers aren't your thing, you want to go for accuracy, okay, fine. Somewhere between 700 and 1,000 people a day are going to die from this until. Not, 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 un- just until. Until dot, dot, dot. 700 to 1,000 people every day are dying from this. You good with that? You can live with that? You can live with yourself with that? Like, no. No, I can't. I can, no. I, I, I'm never going to be able to sit in the mirror and be like, I'm not, I'm, I'm actively doing things that hasten people dying. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, mm-mm. even though the Lord has blessed me to an extent to where I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Nope. 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 Mm-hmm. Nope. 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 I'm not, I'm not on board with that. When this is over, whenever that is, I'm going to be able to be like, I did everything I could for me and my family mm-hmm. to also stay healthy, but to keep everybody else healthy too. And that's all I can do for my own agency. I can't, yeah, I can't control, can control other people. I don't know. That's right. But I want to be able to look at myself in the mirror and say that and, and mean it and believe it. And believe it. Yep. Yeah, I've never gone this long without seeing my parents before my entire life. Right. And that you know, sucks. But I'm not putting them at risk. Everybody's and they understand. A sacrifice. That sucks. You haven't seen your parents since March. That sucks. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't want to see their parents? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, some people, I'm lucky to want to see them, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, at, at our age, you know, my parents are getting older. We have only finite time on this earth. Right. I don't want to lose a year. Right. My mom's birthday was yesterday. Time with them. It's like, dude, mm. normally there's parties for that. 
Ain't no party. Right. It's like, yeah, I'll bring the kids. They can run around in your in your yard with masks on. That was a gift. Oh, I get to see the kid. You know, like that. And that's just ridiculous. Yeah. We're supposed to be in your house, blowing out candles, eating brisket. Like, right? Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. My sister turns 30 this weekend. <sighs> it's a big one. It's a rough one. Oh. I'm like, uh, she's, she's, I talked to her yesterday. She's perspective. She's fine. She's supposed to be in Mexico with her other friends that turned 30 around the same month. They were all going to go celebrate together. Obviously, that's not happening. But she's like, this is what has to happen. It's okay. It's fine. But everybody's not having birthdays this year. So kudos to her. She's she's beyond 30 in many ways. Yeah, yeah that's all. Your, your sister got an old soul. That's good. That's going to serve her well. Yeah, she always has. Yeah, I'm part of the old soul club myself. It served me quite well. <laughs> Anthony, what's the quote of the week? From one of my favorite authors, Malcolm Gladwell, he says, We have, as human beings, a storytelling problem. We're a bit too quick to come up with explanations for things we don't really have an explanation for. Ooh. That hits. Yeah, I dig it. This has been This Is For The CV. Thanks for listening, Mom. This Is For The CV is a Larson and Lestrat production. Editing done by Rebecca Larson. Music performed by Issa Black. Thanks, man.